everyone, it's me, Luke Lord, the insipid ghost. I'm on a Skype call from my room, not my car, and I'm on the phone with Drew McMillan of the Game Moose Podcast. We're going to talk about Mortal Kombat 11, Resident Evil 2, Sean being sick, and probably some more Division stuff. Who knows? It's going to be fun on the Xbox Drive. Ball! Greater than X. Uh, Luke, how's it going, man? It goes well, Drew McMillan. You, sir, are a very understanding man, and I appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, I just want to say you did a very good Sean Capri uh, in the intro to the show there. Did I? Because I was doubting how long to drag out the ball, and I didn't know what else to do. It was—it's no, almost yeah. like I didn't have sixty some odd practices with it. It felt natural, though. I—I th- I feel like you hearing it enough means mm-hmm. that you've got it. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. And you're over here from the Game Moves Podcast. Thank you for donating your time. Absolutely happy to be here. Uh, glad to be also not driving. I am driving my couch right now uh, while we do the show. So this is this is the the driveless Xbox drive. The driveless Xbox drive. It's almost like a discless Xbox. Who knows what kind of sense that makes, Drew? But we talked hey, about hey. that last. Oh, 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 oh. You know, yeah, you, you did. And I just want to say one thing. All right. I, I listened mm-hmm. to that show. Mm-hmm. And we all take for granted that they're calling it the like the Xbox One, like all digital edition. Mm-hmm. But when was it analog? Right? It, oh, aren't, come aren't, on. aren't all xboxes digital they are they are i understand that's a clever joke you just made that's right uh, but it's not as funny as me saying the sad edition for the next <laughs> eight years on yeah. a podcast that i do weekly that's what's gonna yeah. happen all right oh man drew we've got plenty to talk about here and i think i want to start right away with the biggest topic for me which is that square enix set a date for their e3 conference and the fact that square enix is having an e3 conference in and of itself not a grandiose big deal, but what I find so remarkable about it is that they have taken Sony's previous slot, the slot that Sony occupied, that kind of uh, June 10th, 6 p.m. slot that, that everyone per- turns eyes to. Square Enix stepped into that role. Those are big shoes to fill, Drew. When you saw that, what went through your mind? Uh, th- honestly, the first thing, Square Enix is, is doing a press conference? Yes. Like, w- what, what do they have to talk about? Uh, uh, like Kingdom Hearts Three is out. Like, what other games are they working on at this point? Like, this just feels weird. And uh, unless you're going to give me a new Chrono Trigger, like, which you haven't for twenty plus years, Squeenix, what are you doing? I found that wild as well. I mean, the news says yeah. exciting lineup of titles. I mean, as it's want to do, that's what they're supposed to do. But I mean, you look at their previous announcements, Just Cause Four, which while fun, I mean, that's not you know. Uh, E3 Spotlight, the game to put out there. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 is already out, as you said. They've they've announced Octopath Traveler uh, at previous ones. I mean, they have Final Fantasy 7. Like, what's what's what could they have that's worthy of that position? I feel like they put themselves in a PR nightmare. Yeah, I don't. How they, how are they going to fill like even 45 minutes? I don't know what they're going to do here. You know, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of like 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 Bethesda having a press conference, like. You guys aren't like a, you're a publisher, but you're not a huge publisher. Mm-hmm. They're not EA. They're not Activision. Mm-hmm. It's not they ha- have a huge slate of games. I mean, they could announce something exciting, but like, I mean, how many teams do they have over there? Like, 
I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll finally see that Avengers game everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to think that's what they're going to lead with. That's that's if they were to not show that Avengers game. Uh, and it's happening post-Endgame. People will have talked about it. We'll be hungry for more. Marvel Ultimate Alliance will be out there on the Switch. Uh, yeah. People are going to be wanting some of that Marvel property. You have to think, if they don't deliver, not just on the announcement uh, of it being there, but on, on gameplay and content, you got to think that's a, a scary scenario where Square Enix doesn't doesn't deliver. That, I think, spells trouble. Well, I mean, it's scary that they've barely talked about this game, right? Mm-hmm. We just heard that they had the license and then that was it. Like, mm-hmm. what else have they said about it? We, yeah, we, we need something. And I, I think the one thing, I think you're right, the one thing that would sort of really knock it out of the park for them wouldn't be that game. But they'd have to have a lot to talk about. They can't show a 30-second teaser and go, eh, it's coming, and then mm-hmm. move on. Like, no, that's not enough. We got to know what this thing is, how it plays, mm-hmm. who's working on it, what characters are in it. Like, give us, we need some meat. And, and a lot of it, because everything right now is speculation from people that seemingly don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, third-person, over-the-shoulder action. Uh, but that could be, you know, predictive thinking or, or, or people just wondering uh, or projecting what they want on it. We know nothing about it, and I'm hoping that what they're actually doing is holding back content uh, to allow for the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have its true time to shine, kind of the apex of its climactic moments there with Endgame. I'm hoping that's the reason that they're holding back a lot of that stuff. Uh, maybe they're taking a page out of, out of Respawn's book where they're holding back stuff uh, so they don't you know, say everything too early and get expectations out of Uh, out of whack because we're seeing with other games where expectations were so high anthem being what's on my mind at the moment um that talking about things too early can spell disaster for your pr later maybe that's what they're doing but oh man the idea that square enix has a conference that that avengers is likely to lead it um you have to hope they've got more than just that even yeah i mean well they're they're done with deus ex basically now right like they've said uh like the last game didn't do very well so they're sort of put that on a shelf Mm -hmm. i i don't know what else i mean it's not like whatever the next final fantasy thing is has got to be so far away that they couldn't tell us what it is Mm -hmm. Uh, they could do like the logo reveal like they've done in the past Mm -hmm. um but beyond that i I don't know man like it's it's so strange that's i think that's the thing that really catch catches everyone off guard when they do something like this is like we don't know the big marquee titles that are coming from them Mm mm-hmm Right. We, we we know what to expect from Microsoft and what to expect from Sony and what to expect from EA. We know there's going to be another Call of Duty. We know that there's going to be, you know, Halo Infinite and stuff like that. But like there's such a blank slate. It's so weird. Um, it, it, certainly it's piqued my interest. If this is them saying, hey, we've got something really big and really exciting to show you. Mm-hmm. That's great. But I will be twice as disappointed if they don't. And that's the thing. How do you satiate an E3 audience that will be down Sony, that Nintendo has adapted its its approaches with, with directs and, and uh, tree houses, and then you know Xbox is going to be taking center stage? How do you satiate that audience? And the reality is I don't have a good answer, but I'm so curious and scared and intimidated and excited for what this E3 will bring because it's likely to bring about changes that, that will be long-lasting, whether those are positive or negative. And I think the Square Enix conference is a good metaphor for that overall change. And I'm very curious to see what happens with it. Um, but I think you and many others, uh, including myself, were probably 
hyping ourselves up in some ways for disappointment. Uh, but I don't think there's any reason to to be dissatisfied. If Square Enix doesn't deliver, that is totally on them for choosing this time slot for uh, allowing themselves to be in center stage in this in the spotlight at that moment. Yeah, for sure, for so. sure. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's almost a Kobayashi Maru right here. It's almost a no-win scenario. The no-win scenario. Bonus cool points from Drew for the Star Trek reference. That's oh, right. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're all, we're of the same mold, my friend. Uh, let's see. Moving right along here, I do want to talk about Anthem real quick. It's a topic we never get to talk about ever because Anthem's never in the news. Uh, they did just drop their latest update, Drew, and yes. it vastly improves a number of aspects in the game. Uh, it, it allowed people to forge from from anywhere. It fixed a, nu- fixed a number of bugs, including a glitched achievement for me, which was, you know, just kind of privately something that I was super ecstatic about. Um, but they also, in fixing a number of things, they openly said they were delaying a number of other features, and it's a long-storied uh, and long-chronicled kind of uh, piece that's going with Anthem for, for all their news, good and bad. Uh, when I see this, they, t- they talked about the big lesson being don't tell players too early because uh, about content because content changes through development. Uh, is this game is this game done? Uh, I, they 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 could have a no man's sky situation on their hands here. Mm-hmm. They could be in a place where they work on it over the course of the next year, mm-hmm. and then people turn around and and, and maybe maybe Warframe is a more exact uh, uh, apt example here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or comparison. Um, it may be that they put so much work into it over the next year that we come back to it and people pick it up and go like, oh, this is such a different game. This is such an improved experience. Mm-hmm. But as it is right now, I don't... Like, it's... It needs that positive word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It Right now, it's a, it's such sort of persona non grata. Like, people do not want to play this game. It has mm-hmm. such a bad other than the people who are way into it which from my understanding is kind of a small niche at this stage Mm -hmm. uh it it has such a bad reputation at large it really needs the people to come out and say no they did this and it fixed it they did this they made it way better they and they they need to i think that's the only hope for this game i agree i wonder if we'll take the final fantasy i think 14 route or the warframe route rainbow six no man's guy we've seen plenty of of uh, precedent for games to recover. I'm very curious what will happen with this. Uh, just just in general, it's a fun story to follow. And I feel like if the, if you get this game on sale, you can get yourself 20, 30 hours of just good shooter gameplay for fun. Um, but I am among that niche, and so allow that grain of salt to be there. Uh, moving along again, Drew, Mortal Kombat 11. Right, have you uh, played... Oh, go ahead. That, that is a game that, that came out... Um... Unfortunately, I, I was supposed to go to the launch party in uh, here in Toronto, but I was feeling really, really unwell that night, so I didn't get to make it. Uh, but God, God damn, everyone's talking about this game. They are, and for all manner of reasons. Now, um, I do need to say very quickly, I was provided a code by the publisher, uh, and so I was able to play through the story mode. And my history with Mortal Kombat is kind of a flaky at best and i'm much more of an injustice fan i enjoy the story of injustice and the characters of injustice um but i gotta say just the story mode of mortal kombat 11 was a time travel mess of hilarity uh in in which some of the characters are well acted and then there's also ronda rousey is there um (laughs) it's so weird what a crazy event but the idea that you 
mesh such a wild story together with for a fighting game just blows my mind. Yeah, hey, can I ask you something about the Ronda Rousey thing? Is it just me? Am I crazy? But did they not use her likeness? Is it just her voice? It. That, all right, so I went through this. There's this weird uncanny valley that happens with Mortal Kombat and with uh, Injustice. Injustice, it, yeah. It looks so good. But the faces also, look very close to photoreal. I noticed it. I said it a lot in my Injustice 2 review. I was like, this game really blew my mind in terms of like the fidelity of the faces. Yeah, and that's the thing. I can't figure out if it looks like Ronda Rousey. It certainly sounds like her, which can be uh, a bit painful at different points. And I'm not a Rousey hater. I just mean that acting prowess isn't, isn't quite as quite there. Um, she, I thought she's her, not an actress. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, right? and, and this the, is not what she's done for a living. So it seemed like a strange place to spend your money um, to get her. Cause she's certainly not a, a cheap uh, entertainer by any means, and so to put her mm. in there was odd for Sonya Blade. But it was. It was weird because it doesn't look like her, but it sounds like her, at least to me. And I find that I'm bizarre. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, from, from the content that I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. it just was not uh, – It I was like, does it look like her, though? Like, I was second-guessing myself all the time. So uh, you're not alone there. Well, that's that's good because sometimes I do question myself when I when I look at that stuff. I will say the game is beautiful. It's extremely violent, as you would expect. Has oh, a variety of different gameplay modes. Yeah, oh yeah, these the the violence in this game is, is turned up to to eleven. Huh? See? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's comical enough that you're not like offended by it, or at least I wasn't. Um. I do chuckle because they have these this system called Fatal Blow, which allows you to do a super cool move uh, if you're low on your life bar, and you'll like stab somebody through the eyes with like multiple spikes, and then they'll just get up and keep fighting. And yeah. it's just it's it's that level of kind of comic relief that keeps you uh, from from being being grounded and grossed out. But I enjoyed what I played through the story mode, and and it's got an 83 on Metacritic. It seems to be well reviewed. Um, when you is Mortal Kombat something that you pick up? Uh, I love Mortal Kombat right up until, until the end of Mortal Kombat 3. Mm. Um, that's kind of where I fell off. So, I mean, obviously 4, not well loved by anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. But when it started picking up again, um, when they were doing like Deception and stuff like that, I was long gone. I was like, I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like basically when Quan Chi and Shinnok get involved, I'm like, forget it. Uh, um uh, so, but then when they start picking up Steam again and they kind of start rebooting things when they did 9 and X, I was, mm-hmm. I admittedly, I got interested again. And I've been following along. Um, you know, I, I'm right there with you. I love Injustice because mm-hmm. I love the DC characters. So, like, that the new style, the, the way they're doing the game, the sort of like the 2D, 3D kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and how the games feel, I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um so there's that, but I, I also am a bit of a nerd for the story. Like I like, like I, I like to know who, like which sub zero I'm dealing with. Is it, you know, uh, is it his brother? Is it the uh, the original? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know who Noob Cybot is. You know, like mm-hmm. I can tell you all those things. So when they started sort of refreshing it a little bit, I, I admittedly got very curious. So I'm, I'm definitely going to pick this up. I'm thinking about getting this game on the Switch. Really? Now that yeah. is that is interesting to me. I I so I played this on the Xbox One X, and uh, of course fidelity is incredible. I mean, it just looks absolutely wonderful and stunning. And I was looking at some comparison videos for the Switch uh, put by put up by IGN, uh, I believe, and it was impressive to see it running on the Switch. 
impressive to see that it, it, it looks as good as it does, but it is marketably different. Uh, in cases like this, do you value that gameplay or do you, sorry, the gameplay, like the technical aspects over visuals? Usually, yes, I'm a, a gameplay person uh, mm-hmm. almost every single time. But, you know, uh, I mean, since I got my Xbox One X, since I got my 4K TV, mm-hmm. admittedly, sometimes it's hard to, to go to other things mm-hmm. unless it has a distinct sort of like cartoony style that sort of uh, uh, rises above the need for like really heavy graphics fidelity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like it's, it's hard for me to go and play something like um, Far Cry New Dawn which looks absolutely stunning on my ex um, mm-hmm. and then go play, I don't know, what's, what's a, like, like play doom on my switch, you know, mm. like you're just like, ah, uh, okay. So like when it be, it's become noticeable now, it certainly wasn't back in the day, but you know, um, I wonder if that's I, not an indication of how the iterative consoles will be. Like when we be playing Xbox, Whatever their next their next box is, the Scarlet Anaconda yeah. Lockhart type stuff. Will we be playing those games on an Xbox One because they're they you, know, you can play that? That's like your lowest bar. Like the games will work some old, some new as they transition generations. You have to wonder yeah. if that'll happen. Yeah, I mean we're we're in really weird uncharted waters at this point with game consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's strange to be in this place where. We're at a point now where where CPU architecture is pretty locked down. Uh, we don't have to worry about like like from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One, we went from um, from RISC processing to CISC processing. Right, we basically they were using old PowerPC uh, uh, chips in the Xbox 360, which was like uh, the stuff that they were using in old Macs. Now everything's like basically Intel based, mm-hmm. right, uh, or or something similar. So so it's easy for them to scale now. And, you know, and then we went from like the Emotion Engine in the PS2 to the, the uh, to the PS3, and then that was a huge shift, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to the now, cell processors, is that yeah, what it was? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, to the cell, and then the cell didn't translate well beyond that. So it's, it was hard to um, it was it was you know it was hard to to just just scale those things. But now everything is sort of like centralized. So mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's basically like we're just upping clock speeds when we get new things. There's not radical changes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's good because it means that we can have like almost infinite backwards compatibility as long as they check a few boxes. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? What does that mean for us as the consumer? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you are you going to be like the kind of person who who lines up to get the latest iPhone every time it comes out, regardless? Are you going to be that kind of person? Like, there's a new Xbox coming out this year. I'm going to go get the new one because it's going to make my games look ten percent better. Mm-hmm. I don't that's know. Right. And that's a good question that we'll likely not have an answer for for a few years. And I would imagine uh, that it's kind of the middle the middle ground that gets it. You know, the idea that you can go buy an ultra 4K Blu-ray but, or you could stream it on Netflix in, in you know, in, in standard 4K and, and it not be as good as your disc. But I mean, you can do it and it'll be yeah. ease of access and accessibility. I mean, that's how I watch all of my 4K video content. Um, I you stream I just it watched, or you use I, I just I just stream it. Yeah, mm. uh, I have not bought a UHD disc of any kind at this stage. Maybe I'll go out and buy one just to uh, give it a try and see what it looks like. But like at this point, watching Planet Earth on Netflix in 4K is still a great experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's my experience as well. I've bought and I bought I think a couple you know Ultra 4Ks and I was like, oh, this is good. But it, the ease of just you know turning on uh, my smart TV or my Xbox or my uh, PlayStation and, and just clicking on something, the experience was was 
excellent and of a high enough quality that I didn't question the idea that I need to go get it, which I think paves the way for this all digital uh, future that we're going to. I don't need more stuff, but I do like more content. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I can tell you this is uh, I love. I mean, I, I live in downtown Toronto. I live in like a really. I, I live in a like a very urban very dense place. So that means that I get a lot of, lot of services. Like I don't have to worry about, I don't live in the boonies. I don't have to worry about, uh, do I have decent internet? And so space for me, is it's finite, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I, it's easy for me to say, yes, all digital. I don't want to have shelves and shelves and shelves of discs because mm-hmm. I am in a 700 square foot condo. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want physical stuff. I like that. My Xbox one X is mounted on the wall behind my TV. You know, like basically I've just got my TV on the wall and that's it. And it just looks like it's floating there and it's amazing. That is uh, super cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I don't I don't mind if someone says like, I just buy it digital because I don't want to have to get up and put a disc in. Right. Yeah. And to have to store it. But uh, I totally get that there are people that like, oh, if I'm going to get an, a, a, like a digital version of a game, I'm waiting four days for it to download. And that is rough. Yeah. You know, it's true. So. It's I don't, true. I don't, I don't want to see anybody get left behind. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I totally understand that those people, um, and I, it, it's, it sucks to be in that position. You know who I think gets it the worst, as they always do, are the people who are de- deployed in the various arm, international armed services who like rely on video games for their downtime. Right? Mm-hmm. Those were some of the people who spoke out most when uh, Xbox was talking about their all digital, always connected console. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, back back in the day when they first mm-hmm. announced the Xbox One, and everyone got mad. It was especially the people were saying like, "Hey, look." You know, like I, I'm on a base in Afghanistan somewhere. If I don't have a disc, I can't play it. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a, so. there's an, I think that brings up an awkward conversation uh, in that. And, I, and I'm thinking about my brother who is currently deployed. And I'm like, all right, you as a business, Microsoft or Sony or any of the major players, they do need to acknowledge that entity. However, that's a very small group compared to their mass consumer. And yeah. I think that's why we see the scaled version of these products coming out in the next gen. I mean, that's why we see that the Anaconda versus the Lockhart and and what the all digital versus those that are going to contain disk drives. I think they're trying to have one foot in one foot out uh, to kind of allow consumers to, to take this at their own pace rather than what I think the diametric era Xbox one tried to do, which was just force everybody in. They realized they didn't have the sway of say Apple. Hey, you're not going to have a headphone port. You're just not, yeah. you know, and, and so the, I think the the idea is have one foot in, one foot out, and allow your community to tra- transition with you. I would imagine Sony does something very similar. I think Nintendo will become uh, kind of that for for those without great internet. They will be they will allow Nintendo fans to to stay back a little bit longer. At least that's what I predict it this far out and i think this e3 is going to be the one where we really get a feel for what the intended direction is for this next generation and it could switch midway through much the way this one did yeah i think it's interesting that sony uh put their specs out when they did mm-hmm. um because they haven't done that before before they waited for microsoft and then seemingly reacted right it gives them time to like so now Sony, or rather Microsoft, can say like, uh, "Hey, you know how we were waffling on if we were going to put like, you know, sixteen gigs of RAM or thirty-two gigs of RAM? This thing, mm-hmm. let's do thirty-two. Let's commit to thirty-two right now. Right. Uh, it, it lets them 
it lets them sort of uh, play the trump card if they want to. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, what happens. And this year is again just another exciting year for games and game consoles. Um, I'm 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 really I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like. And it sounds like, you know, Microsoft. You're right. I think they are. They're they're taking a little bit out of the the iPhone playbook in terms of like they're doing that like we've got the iPhone C, the iPhone and the iPhone Plus. Mm-hmm. We've in the same way that you've got like you said the Lockhart, the Anaconda, the Scarlet, um, and what those different SKUs mean for different people. And and and, and having different SKUs, I think, is risky for them because it means if one of those ones is a miss, then they have all of that inventory sitting around. Right. Uh, but at and the we've same seen time, that happen before the oh, Xbox yeah. 360 Arcade Edition, I think. Remember yes, how quickly sir. that one was left behind when it was hard without yeah. a hard drive? Hard drive, yeah. You know, like all of a sudden people realize, no, wait a minute, a hard drive makes the quality of life sort of experience for an Xbox so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, getting the arcade is not worth it. Sony right. did something similar. the The ones that had the Emotion Engine built into it with the PS2 backward compatibility, those yeah. those went away fairly quickly as well. They were expensive to make, um, yes. and their data must have showed that it wasn't being used as much. Uh, and it's interesting because now you have powerful emulation software by the by the console makers, so they can you can have that. And I think that's one of the nice things I like about this generation and Xbox's hand being forced. They realized they didn't have the catalog, and they were forced to create a system in which original Xbox and Xbox 360 games could could make their way to Xbox One. And I think that tech will likely drive you know full backward compatibility, full catalog towards uh, you know whatever's next for them. I like that idea. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the 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 PlayStation that you're talking about with the Emotion Engine, uh, the PlayStation Three, the backwards compatible one that was the very uh, early on, um, that was one of those rare instances where a console went up in value. Mm-hmm. Very um, true. Uh, on the secondary market, right? Like people were falling over themselves to get one of those things, and mm-hmm. uh, to this day, they're still quite rare. Um, I really coveted one because I like the idea of being able to play some of the PS2 games that I missed because PS2 is one of those generations that I skipped. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of playing those uh, those PS2 games in HD, um, but uh, never did get my hands on one. I just couldn't couldn't swallow the uh, the high price tag. Uh, like many gamers, I didn't understand value when I had it, and so I had one, and then I sold it uh, for not, not nearly perhaps what it was worth, but I didn't understand. Oof. And I mean, we all have, I think, that story, but it is, you know, I take that conversation into... Whatever's next, I'm moving into a new home soon, so I'm going to have to redesign my game room and decide what to, to get rid of, to keep. And I'm curious as when these next Xboxes come, my S will be gone. I will, and that will, will be traded in or, or sold off or given away to somebody. But what do I do with this Project Scorpio Edition Xbox One X? I mean, that's probably going to stay in the house and at the very least be a decoration because it says Project Scorpio on it. What value yes. does that offer? I wonder. You know, it's, it's Stuff like that is neat. And probably not as important as we make it when we work in these or, or we operate in these artificial popularity contests. Like, what's a gamer score mean? What's a high score mean in a video game? <laughs> what's what's the Project Scorpio edition mean? But well, like it's fun. My, my day one edition Xbox One X controller. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember uh, the achievement people get got for day one edition Xbox or Xbox One, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. We yeah, we landed into that conversation all by talking about Mortal Kombat, which yeah. is awesome, and I enjoyed it. But I do have to go back real quick and say um, that I think this game is good. As a casual fighting fan, I recommend yeah. it. I recommend Excellent. it. It's got some loot box problems with the crypt that NetherRealm was addressing, and they're working on some of the gimmicky natures of some of the towers. But they have 
with NetherRealm has found a way to give uh, reoccurring value to the single player with Mortal Kombat, and then to those who who might not have local multiplayer and, and able to go through and find things to do in that. And I think Mortal Kombat 11 is a great platform for fighting game fans. So I just That's to... awesome. I mean, like as someone who I come to fighting games for the single player story experience, it sounds mm-hmm. like it's a game I'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that oh. is. It's good to hear. I think you will. Yes. And I'm curious if you do end up going there, uh, let me know what you do think. Oh, goodness gracious. I don't want to talk about crunch just yet. Drew, have you played Resident Evil 2? Uh, I I played the original Resident Evil 2. Have you played the Resident Evil 2 remake? I have not played the Resident Evil 2 remake. I'm hearing such amazing things about it. You know what? You know what the thing I, I like? The, the news that, that comes out of Resident Evil 2 the most, uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake that I enjoy the most, is every time when I see a new, um, uh, 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 like, idiotic mod where they change Mr. <laughs> X into something stupid. Yes. Like Thomas, Thomas the, the Tank yeah. the tank Engine, or they, they make him naked, or... Yeah. Like... <laughs> like, like Capcom, good on you for, for putting it on the PC and making it so open. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. I just played through... I mean, it was much talked about, and Sean had recommended it, and so had so many of our listeners. Uh, and so I played through the Leon storyline. I started in Standard and got very frustrated with some of the ammo and some of the design uh, aspects of the game. And so I switched it down into Assisted Mode, um, and I got more. Fu- I had more fun that way, uh, which was which was interesting, because I feel like... Resident Evil 7, which is one of my favorite games of all time, was very much a horror game. Resident Evil 4 was much more of an action game. Resident Evil 2 seems to skirt the line between the two, and I couldn't figure out what it wanted me to do is to be completely survival horror terrified or completely action-oriented. And I'm told that uh, when I play through the Claire story mode, it will become more clear. And so I've done Leon. I'm going to play through uh, Claire's. But I will say that the hype around this game was not too terribly overhyped. I very much enjoyed the quality of it. It's a very good video game. It's beautiful, controls well. Um, I, I would say if you see this down the line, Drew, on sale, you definitely should snag it because it's got, some, it's got some, some nostalgic value, but it, overall as a modern video game, it's very good. Cool. Uh, I am. Uh, I, I'm actually quite excited. I, I, it's probably uh, uh, pretty close to next on sort of my docket of, uh, to to pick up and play. So, uh, I love. I like Resident Evil. I like sort of like the hammy kind of uh, uh, you know schlocky kind of nature of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how, how like melodramatic it gets and how crazy it gets. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to. It. I I loved four. Four is one of my favorite games of all time. So. Great. Uh, yeah, this this sounds just fantastic, and hopefully, it is sort of like the template for what the future of Resident Evil is going to be. I agree. In terms of gameplay, you know, I, I agree because it, it it made me want a Resident Evil Three remake. Because while Three may have been loved or not, if they gave it this treatment, sweet. You know what I mean? That's going to be a good video game, and um, I think Capcom has done a great job rectifying some of their brands of late, and mm. so I would hope that positive sales encourage uh, good behavior and, and encourage rewarding gamers who are rewarding them and, and it's good you know mutual symbiotic growth uh, which is what you want to do you know yeah yeah so let's see here continuing on down crunch culture now we are we are nerds and we are exposed to any number of different conversations about all types of of nerdy things, and we sometimes make them to be the biggest deal in the world and sometimes very small. Well, with Avengers uh, Endgame coming 
Fortnite is allowing another crossover event. Thanos has been there before. It looks like there'll be more to it. However, that's not the storyline that we're talking about. Epic Games is the latest studio uh, to be under the spotlight with crunch culture being kind of the, the hitting point here. Uh, reports of 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks and some over 100. Are we surprised that Fortnite is demanding 100 hour work weeks? And that blows my mind. Like it's. Wait, are you being a, serious? You're not being facetious? No, no. Oh, okay. I, I, I am. I'm surprised. I was surprised that it does because I, I, I would have thought they got themselves into a comfortable holding pattern at this point. Um, it like the platform is pretty locked down. So, I mean, obviously it's content. Look, I, I'll, all the, I, I'm not saying that they don't produce a lot of content for Fortnite. Uh, um, like. Clearly they do. They're constantly coming out with new stuff and the battle pass and stuff. I just, I guess I really didn't appreciate how much work went into keeping that game fresh and keeping people engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't surprise me that there is a games company that's making their employees work insane hours. Mm -hmm. That, that's the thing that does not shock me at all. Um, I was, I I was, I I was mixed on that drew because when you look at Fortnite. It doesn't come up with its own ideas very much, no. but it certainly implements the ideas of others far better than most of those original people do, right? Mm-hmm. They iterate so well. Uh, and the reason I kind of led with this Avengers crossover or thought and, and message is because they react so well to current market trends. They react so well to current major events, NFL costumes, respawn beacons to, to mimic Apex, uh, pirate-themed uh, things, now with the Avengers stuff coming back. They clearly have to do a lot of Q&A and a lot of developing. They're engine makers, but it it doesn't surprise me at all that this is being demanded. And it's one of those situations where the company says, hey, you can have time off whenever you want. But the culture tells you not to do that because you don't want to you know, damage the, the, the mindset of your of your coworkers. And so as this be, with Epic being kind of the latest ones under the gun for this, I'm hoping that uh, – the repeated stories about this really do work to change the gaming industry. However, those lofty, lofty, altruistic ideas, I don't think will truly get heard later on. This is tough. Um, look, I, I, I will be straight up honest with you. Uh, I, I am a union man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am a, a member of uh, a very large, very active union. Mm-hmm. I'm a very strong believer in unions. I think unions are good for people. Mm-hmm. I know that people will disagree with me, and that's totally fine. Um, but it is my feeling that 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 a union is something that that needs to come in here. But also, I think we need more industry regulation. I mean, right now, uh, if you sort of look at how other industries work, um, other industries that that produce a product. Not a lot of them open up like, you know, uh, uh, facilities to generate something. And then the minute they just one little thing goes wrong, they shut the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. That's that's not really a common thing. Like it, it, when it comes to like physical development of a product, making a widget, whatever it happens to be, closing a factory costs a lot of money. That's a hard decision to make for a company. Mm-hmm. Closing a studio for a video game company seems to be just a matter of course, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if things aren't going their way, they just shut it down, lay everyone off, and those people just shuffle off to other companies. And the and it kind of feels like they're constantly playing the shell game 
with uh, these these studios, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. Uh, it, it, there seems to be, like you said, sure, you can take time off whenever you want to, but the pressure still exists in the background that you're you're going to have to work a hundred hour work week, mm-hmm. and the reality is that hey. If there's one person that can work 100 hours, that means that two people can work 50. Mm, yep. Right? Uh, theoretically, yes, I think so. Yeah. The value of that worker might be a little bit different, but I'm in full yeah. agreement with your with your with your mindset. Uh, so I, I I feel it is my feeling that uh, this is just about extracting more productivity out of their employees, um, and they owe it to their employees to stand up for them to say we're going to create an environment, we're going to help work on a work culture where you have a healthy work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? It's as much a responsibility of the employee as it is the employer to to help do that. So I, it disappoints me every time I hear this. And I know, like like I said, you know, uh, if things go wrong for, for them, if, uh, if whatever reason, if the, the quality of their product slips or you know, market, uh, uh, the market environment beyond their control, sort of something shifts and then they're no longer profitable. Or if suddenly they decide, yeah, we want a studio that's quote unquote more productive, they just shut it down and then move on. Right. So I don't know. We don't hear this from Epic because uh, we don't, I don't, I don't have a clear picture of what the studio structure for Epic is like, are, are these direct employees with Epic mm-hmm. or uh, are they siloed off into the studios and like sub companies and LLCs and stuff like that? I don't know. By the time that this, this uh, audio recording kind of goes live, I'm sure that the story will have circulated more. However, the original story did come from Polygon and it is uh, worth a read because it does go in and answer some of those questions, but it does remind me of something Sean asked us last week. And he said, you know, does me getting excited about Sea of Thieves or getting excited about you know Division Division One or Anthem or, or Rainbow Six, when you, a game that maybe launches under scrupulous conditions or or doesn't launch the way it was intended or doesn't have a good um, initial outing or whatever it is, when you go back to those, does the gamer supporting that does it reward bad behavior? And I think to a certain extent the answer is yes. And to another extent, the answer is no, and it depends upon perspective, like so many things do. And I don't think any gamer right now should be boycotting Fortnite if indeed you're having fun with it and enjoying it. However, you should be uh, aware that this is going on and allowing that to inform some of your time, some of your, uh, some of your, what you might share on social media, some of just things that you call attention to, because those are often powerful indicators. Well, let let me let me pose a challenge to all of your listeners. Mm. Um, if they feel strongly about this, I want all of them to not interact with or purchase games that from studios uh, that uh, have crunch hours. Oh goodness gracious! Somebody's going to pick up their old Game Boy and play Tetris. It's not possible. Like I, I guess uh, it, it was a rhetorical question. It was like mm-hmm. you can't. Every single one does. As, as far as a consumer goes, I can't vote with my dollar there. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than going for like, I don't know, maybe tiny indie studios. But even at that, like, like you know that they're still doing crunch too, right? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And they're doing it of their own mind to try and build something for themselves. Yeah. And so that is a huge topic. And, and I think that 
the union aspect is only one of many, many things that would need to adjust the course of the industry. Um, yeah. But I, I think I would encourage everybody to inform yourselves as much as you can in these areas before you go out and make comments publicly about them, whatever they may be. Yeah. So that is, uh, that would be my point on that. Absolutely. Uh, look, I again, I will make uh, absolutely no um, uh, put put no doubt in your mind uh, uh, that I am fervently quote unquote pro labor. I am mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a dirty stinking lefty, and as, I would love to. I I am personally not allowed to comment on that due to laws of where I live. How weird is oh. that? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a real thing. Yes, how curious that may be. This is interesting because I work for uh, my my day job is I work for uh, my nation's uh, national uh, uh, public broadcaster, mm. um, and I am allowed to discuss my political ideology and my political beliefs, but to certain limits. I cannot work for, for example, political parties. Uh, I cannot. I can't work on a campaign or something like that, mm. um, which is interesting. And as much as I have these beliefs, I can tell you that I support uh, everybody out there. And I, I, like I support every, everyone who has their own beliefs to have their their own equal voice, whatever it may be. So I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> and I think it's a good thing. And I think more people need to be as informed as you are about your own situations and allow that to inform your decisions that you make. Oh, goodness. I'm going to take those informed decisions, Mr. Drew McMillan, and Mm. pose you a listener question that comes from Edward Varnell. Now, it's a multi-layered question, and I think you might be better suited to answer parts of it than I. Uh, I answered this question, part of it, on Twitter myself, and then uh, there was another layer added to it. Uh, Edward Varnell, uh, that retro code on Twitter, asks... How important are external hard drives to consoles? Do we need to factor in factor it in when purchasing uh, a new system with the pricing of those systems when we shop about, uh, or do something we should think about later? And then he uh, he follows up with the second question: uh, Do you think that 60 frames per second HDR and 4K is important when companies still have technical difficulties uh, like lag, freezing, dropping connections, Xbox Live going down? Uh, is the tech speak a good thing for PR marketing uh, when exemptions are included or not included. And I, there's so many layers to that that Edward is asking. So let's start simple, Drew. Um, should we, uh, as future consumers, future purchasers of whatever the next gen brings, should we be planning to buy separate storage? I do not now and never have had an external hard drive attached to any of my game consoles. Hmm. That is... That, oh, you and I very much disagree on this. Okay, let's go. Yeah, uh, I have a I have a network atta- network attached storage that I use for like all of my media. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I just rotate through my Xbox. I only have a handful of games installed at any given time, uh, and that's kind of it. And then if I want to play another game again, I just go back and install it. Oh my gosh, how do you do it? How do you do it? Okay, so I cleaned out. I have an external hard drive. I have, I think a. For my Xbox One X, total I have about five terabytes that I'm working with. Wow. Um, and I and I I was a smart consumer. I waited for sales and such. But you maybe about four or five days ago, I dropped down the number of games that I had downloaded from 120 down to 70 something. I eliminated 50, and that was the most painful process I've ever been through in my life. It was so difficult. It was so. Di- I'm kidding. But it was really tough to figure out what I wanted to keep there. 
and what I didn't. And I think it's very important for for us to consider storage moving into next gen with 4K assets being what they are, with the idea yeah. that uh, graphic fidelity does take you know data. And so yeah. with Project X Cloud on the horizon, uh, with Stadia on the horizon, I think part of the mindset will be how important you know how important downloading is how important it is to have game pass or playstation now or whatever the equivalents therein kind of arise in next gen and so i am a big believer that there needs to be a standard amongst the the first parties like we're going to have a 1 terabyte system or a 2 terabyte system but then you have easy access to an external hard drive whatever that that may be now i'm saying all this knowing full well that in 3 months that could be outdated information yeah, uh, Luke, uh, I think it's time you faced a uh, really hard truth. Um, you're, you're a data hoarder. Oh, no. Yeah. We're, we're going to put you on an episode of Hoarders. We're going to go through all the games you're installing. Like, when was the last time you played this? You know I what? I can't delete Hydro Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, think, I think we need to do the... Uh, the, the whole like does it spark joy does this does this uh, installed game spark joy and then you need to decide if you should keep it or delete it and give it say thank you and give it back to the the universe I might want to go back to that kingdoms of Amalur save that has 40 hours that I'll never oh touch my, again <laughs> oh my you god you never know <laughs> I do Luke I'm never playing kingdoms of Amalur ever again oh so uh, good I, I will disagree with you on that one. I, I, I spent a lot of time with it, and afterwards I, I, I found myself asking why. Uh, I don't know. This is a real lifestyle thing, I think, mm-hmm. is what we're talking about here, right? It's a matter yeah. of – and again, I have I have full duplex one gig inter, internet. I, I don't care. I don't know you what know? you just said. I, I have 1,000 <laughs> 1, uh, uh, megabits up and 1,000 megabits down. You know what? Don't right. come in here showing off. You're from Canada with your free health care and your great <laughs> data, and you can talk about union. You, can, you know what? With your thousand up, what is this? What is? I, I, I'm flabbergasted, sir. Uh, the, look, the reality is that again, I live in a really dense downtown urban area. Uh, only a handful of people. Like, it's you know, like Google Fiber. It's kind of like that. It's a, just a different company that does it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like it's very limited, like even down to like the what buildings have it down here. Um, so again, I, I acknowledge that I'm coming from a place of privilege in terms of when we talk about this stuff. Like I'll just download it again. I don't care. I don't have any uh, you know download limits. So whatever. I no think sp- that that is a big that that's a big factor in why you yeah. may or may not agree. And that's a very good point to make. And I'm. I'll be moving into a new home uh, in about less than two months. We were purchasing a home, which is uh, its own level of process. But I'm curious what the internet speeds will be like there and what that could mean with xCloud on the horizon as this area is developing and such. So those are questions that uh, don't have a clear-cut answer, and it's going to be very difficult for Microsoft, for Sony, uh, for Google to navigate those questions uh, with different countries having different rules as far as monopolies Mm -hmm. and tech providers and ISPs and such. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. But I do think that that tech speak sounds wonderful for PR, to to Edward's point, but you do lose people along the way. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the things that Edward was talking about, uh, uh, the sort of the 
the extra layer on top of that 4k hdr uh versus things like lag and xbox live being down and those sorts of things i mean i mean the reality is he's talking about two different things Mm -hmm. when we compare the uh, the examples that at least that he provided uh because we're talking about uh 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 something that's fully under a developer's control which versus something that's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that like your net code can only go so far mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point. If you're paying sucks, you're paying sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like if your internet is not good. If you're using satellite internet, you are probably not having a good time playing a first person shooter uh, online. You know, um, that's just how it is. That's just the reality of uh, certain internet connections are just limiting that way. And it, it sucks. Um, but I think the answer to his question is you really just have to consider your personal situation um, in terms of where you live and how comfortable you are with downloading stuff. Do you have download limits and those sorts of things? And then on top of that, uh, I think there are a lot of people out there that are performance minded. So they do want to hear words like 4K and HDR. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just like the uh, like the like the home theater nerds and stuff like that. Um, we know that there are people that are obsessed with frame rate, right? Yep. And I think of anything that's the lesson that we took away from this generation in terms of uh, uh, Xbox um, getting outsold by PlayStation. PlayStation, you know, the 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 early messages early on were like, "Hey, look, you know, Xbox's stuff is running at 960p. Our stuff is actually running at 1080p." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I feel like that was actually a big deal. Uh, I went a long way to, even if people didn't understand those numbers, went a long way to creating uh, an idea of what the reputation of these companies are in their minds. Agreed. People Agreed. That's, that's exactly what it is. That's exa- Even if they yeah. don't understand it, it's it's the way it's presented. And then uh, not dogpile culture, because I don't think that's necessarily what's happening. There were deserved problems and, and hate for the, the original Xbox One's vision. So... I think, though, when you add ammo, uh, fuel to the fire or, or whatnot, and you allow yourself to be attacked in those ways, I think you – perhaps my point is not as articulate as I'm trying to make it. But I do think <laughs> there is a mind, there is a mindset that says, all right, if, if this is able to be criticized, we're going to criticize it even if we don't fully understand why we are doing so. Yeah. So I, I mean, as someone who – you know, like really understands the 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 fine details of the moving pieces of like what is 4K. You know, like again, that's 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 my day job is, uh, you know, like I, I I work directly with like television engineers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can tell you that I know a lot about what those numbers mean and what the difference between the frame rates are and why it's important and when it's not. Uh, and the number of times I've had those conversations with people saying like, oh, well, I got to get this in 4K. And be like, but you do realize that, that this thing that you're talking about that you're getting in 4K is never going to actually look any better because it was only shot in 720, you know, mm-hmm. six years ago uh, or something like that. Or like, you know, the 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 textures were only ever developed for, for uh, uh, you know, the Wii and they've never really actually improved them since then. So, you know, like, you know, it, it's interesting that like, people... And and rightfully so, because not everybody has all the time in the world to become a professor of, like, electronics engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so people just, they hear, I'll, I just want the thing that has the bigger numbers, please. I don't have to go out and buy another thing six months from now that's better. Yep, and I, I, t- I, to- I totally get it. Um, which is, again, why I think it's smart that Microsoft is doing these multiple SKU things. I think it's really smart. Um, I think it'll pay off in the end. Uh uh, I think I think it'll I think they'll do well. Um, 
if it is, in my mind, what I'm envisioning where they're going with this. So, yeah. Plenty of questions to be answered, Drew. Certainly many of them will come in E3, but they'll likely uh, arise. Many more questions to come after that. Uh, Drew, before we go and we talk about where we can find you, I do want to say that the official choice of the Xbox Drive is Rancher Ribo. And for all six people that get that inside joke, that one's for you. Rancher Ribo is the way to be. Vote, vote correctly, people. Uh, Drew, where can we find you on the old Twitter, social medias, audio feeds? We need more of your brilliance. Uh, well, you can follow me. I'm at Tim McMill on Twitter, and uh, I make a lot of, you know, just really bad jokes there. Um, you can listen to the Game Moose podcast. Uh, we are uh, Game Moose on all of your um, various uh, podcast services of choice. Uh, we just We just got on the old Spotify, just like you guys. That is awesome, man! Congratulations, I'm very cool, very cool. So glad they they opened it up and made it a little bit easier to get your uh, your your podcast on Spotify. Shh, make um, it sound exclusive. Make it sound. Oh, exclusive. sorry, you know, like it's real hard, man. Like they they come and they're like, only hey, the best. We we heard that you were great, and we really you know, we got mm-hmm. invited. So, mm-hmm. but we you know what happened was they approached us after approaching you, and, mm-hmm. and just said mm-hmm. like we we got a good recommendation from them. For Game Moose, we understand you're the number two podcast. So Xbox Drive <laughs> and Game Moose. Uh, we're also on game-moose.com. I just wrote a review of The Division 2. Oh, we played that together on um, Xbox Canada's channel, yeah? We did. We did. I gave that game. So we on, on, on Game Moose, we have a percentage score system. I gave it 100%. Whoa. It is oh, the goodness. first That's... game I've given 100%. Oh. Uh, I will say this: It is a game that doesn't uh, is not within its problems. It has bugs uh, and has other issues, but I just loved it so much. I just love the gameplay experience. I'm still playing it. Uh, when I'm done having this conversation, I will probably play it some more. As a defender of Anthem, I can't I can't fight that logic. If you're having fun, that's why we play games. That's awesome. Yeah, man. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, ladies and gents, you can find me, Luke Lord, the Insipid Ghost, on Twitter at MLS Reserves or on Mixer at Mixer.com slash Insipid Ghost. Guys, you've been listening to the Xbox Drive. We appreciate you bearing with any audio difficulties we might have had this week. We're doing our best and hoping that Sean feels better soon. Take care, everybody. <laughs>